Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you join us as we begin a new series, Weird, Because Normal Isn't Working. In this series, we'll be looking at how we're called to be a peculiar people. Lead Pastor David Fossil helps us come to grips with the fact that as much as we might want to be normal and fit in with the world, we're supposed to be different. Listen as Pastor Dave gives us some ideas on being different as we live, think, and renew our minds. I want to welcome you to our new series called Weird, because normal isn't working. I want to start by just kind of giving you the overall thesis and the main idea for the next four to five weeks. I hope you'll come back. You know, um, we live our lives, most of us, wanting to fit in, trying to be accepted. We, the last thing we want anybody to call us is weird. We don't want to be called weird, especially in high school. Remember when you were in high school? That's the last thing you wanted is to be called weird. And yet, every single high school class had at least one classmate that was crazy weird. Can you remember them? Think back. Can you remember that crazy weird guy or girl in, in high school? By the way, if you're trying to think about that and you can't think of that person, uh, <clears throat> it's probably because you were it. I'm just saying, you know, we're glad you're here. Praise Jesus. But uh, there were always someone in high school that was weird. And, it, you know, it was cool to be normal. It was uncool to be weird. And so we made this incredible effort to dress like the crowd, to talk like the crowd, to go where the crowd went. We didn't want to stand out. We just wanted to fit in, right? We wanted to be, quote, normal, not weird. Now, when we graduated from high school, you would imagine, we grew up a little bit, we matured a little bit, and we decided to stand on our own. But no, many of us going into adulthood, we have this consistent and craving to still just fit in. We don't want to stand out. We want to, we want to be normal. We don't want to be, quote, weird, right? Now, I, I'm just, I just want to make an observation. It sure seems when, when you look at the world, normal, and by normal I mean how the world wants you and wants me to live, normal isn't working. It's not working. Let me just give you a couple examples. Let's talk normal marriages. Normal marriages normally... In our country, 50% of them end up in divorce. Let me ask you a question. If your water heater only worked 50% of the time, if your microwave only worked 50% of the time, if your car only worked 50% of the time, would you call it reliable? I would like to suggest that normal marriage isn't working. The way we do marriage, it's not working, right? Let's talk normal finances. You all know this, right? We know that we live in the wealthiest nation in the history of mankind, hands down. And, and the Bay Area happens to be one of the wealthiest areas in the entire country. So we are some of the richest people ever to have walked the earth. And yet, let's talk normal finances. Normal finances is to live paycheck to paycheck. Normal is to struggle to make ends meet. Normal is to be is to be steered and just a, a consumer debt and credit debt that produces stress and produces worry. I'd like to suggest normal finances for us isn't working. It's not working. Let's talk normal families. I, I don't know if it's just me, but I see a lot of families not just squabbling. I mean, fighting. 
I see a lot of normal parents working 50, 60 hours because we love our kids. We want to give them what we never had. And then we wake up one day and all two, three kids have moved out and they're into their 20s. They don't want to spend any time with us anymore because they don't know us and we don't know them because we gave our lives to our career instead of getting to know them. And have you ever seen when mom and dad die? Have you seen three normal adult kids fight over the will? How does that work? I'd like to suggest that normal family, it's not working the way the world suggests. Let's talk normal relationships. That's got to be going better. Certainly, it's got to be going better because everybody's having sex with everybody. We got friends with benefits. I mean, it's going great. You know, we got 500 friends on Facebook. And yet counselors and psychologists, sociologists are telling us that this culture, this people have never been more lonely, have never felt more empty. Relationships. Normal relate. It doesn't seem like it's working. What I'd like to suggest is that you live weird. Now I'm saying that because that's what this book says. God calls us a peculiar people. He wants you to be a peculiar people. He wants you to be different. He he wants you to stand out. He wants you to live weird. Why? Because normal, it's not working. The way the world's, it's not working. And when I say live weird, I, I don't mean, a, I don't mean a, a, a bad weird or a good weird. I mean a God weird. He wants you to leave, live God weird lives. By the way, you know that this whole book is full of weird. You know that, right? It's just full. full. If you have your Bibles, just let's go real quick to the Easter story. I mean, that's why we're here. The Easter story, Luke chapter 24, it's my favorite gospel. Luke chapter 24, I just want to read you a couple of verses if you want to turn there. Chapter 22, that's where Judas betrays Jesus. Chapter 23, that's where Jesus is crucified, then he's thrown into a tomb. Chapter 24, let me just read you the first couple of verses, watch. Luke 24, on the first day of the week, that Sunday, very early in the morning, the women, followers of Christ, took spices that they had prepared and they went to the tomb. Let's just stop real quick, right? Oh, let's let's put that back in. Let's wait. Um, they they went to the tomb, and what they did is the first thing they saw is they were upset. They were upset. You know, want, want to know why they were upset? Because the tomb that they had placed their master, their rabbi, the one that they followed for three years, had been vandalized. Essentially, that's what they thought. They didn't go to the empty tomb and go, "Yay, he's back." They went to the empty tomb thinking it had been vandalized. How would you feel if you went to the cemetery to put flowers down at the tombstone of a loved one and you found that it had been vandalized? How would you feel? It starts with them being angry. They had showed up to try and make the, the, the we show up to cemeteries and put flowers to make it look nice. They show up with spices to make it smell nice. It's just two different cultures. But they start out angry. Someone vandalized his tomb. And then immediately it transitions into pee in my pants fear because two angels show up two angels show up to the woman and they're like uh, ladies late uh, time out uh why are you looking for the living jesus among the dead in the cemetery he told you he was coming back and he did when you read the gospels he's telling the disciples he's telling all his followers by the way i'm going to die and then i'm going to come back from the dead and i can only imagine jesus in the tomb Day number one, he puts a marking up on the wall, you know. Day number two, he puts a marking up on the wall. I got one more day. When I come out, they're all going to be there. They're going to cheer for me. Day number three, he comes out. He's like, where is every, where is it? No one's there. Following day, the women are there. 
the, 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 the angels go, he's risen. So they go from anger, someone vandalized the tomb, to fear, angels appear, to excitement. He's alive. He's, so they start sprinting to town. Because the disciples, the leaders of the early church, uh, they, they're hiding in an upper room. So they go tell the disciples what's happened, what they saw, what they experienced. And in verse 11... That's when we read this. But they, referring to the disciples, did not believe the women. There's faith right there, right? That's the leaders of the early church. They did not believe the women. Because their words seemed to them like nonsense. One translation says they thought it was imagination. They thought it was a fairy tale. You and I might listen to the women and go, those women are weird. They're weird. Now, Let's just admit, just amongst us, let's not let anybody at IHOP and Ross know that we're saying this, okay? But let's just be honest. When you first read the story of Jesus, it's weird. It's crazy weird. You go, what do you mean, Pastor? Okay, so there was this guy, uh, and he was, he was born of a virgin. No, no, his mom, no, she didn't have sex. She was a virgin, and he was born and, but he, he was also, he was also God. He wasn't just man. He was God. He was hundred percent God. He was hundred percent man. Is that 200%? No, it's not 200%. It's just hundred percent. You know, he was God and, and he was man. He just uh, let me keep going. So he was a really good kid. And then he was really good teenager and really good adult. I mean, in fact, he never sinned. He never made any mistakes. He lived a perfect life. He was the most kind man. He was the most gentle man. He was the most loving man. And they killed him for that. You know, I know it's strange, but they killed him. And then they threw him in a tomb. But after three days, he rose from the dead. And he hung out with his homies for like 40 days. After 40 days, he floated up into heaven. He just floated up into heaven. But someday he's coming back riding on a white horse to get us. Now, if someone says that to you, you got to say, uh, well, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what we believe. I mean, we think the white horse is symbolic, but pretty much we think, yeah, that's what we believe. That's weird. That sounds like nonsense. There's one point in time where Jesus is, is, is teaching a lesson. And he's talking about what normal people do, what the crowd does, what most of the world does. And, and then he compares it to what a small group of people do, how they live weird, how they live according to God's way. And, and he says this. I want to show it to you. He gives two options about life. And in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. Wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many are entering through it. But small is the gate, narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. He's talking about normal and weird. He's talking about two options. I want to color code it for you and try to help break it down so you understand what Jesus is saying. Look what I'm saying. There's two options. Option number one in red, option number two in in, in blue. Option number one, there's a big highway where most of the world is traveling through. It's the normal way to live life. But I got, you need to know something. Eventually, the normal way to live life, the way that most of the world and most of the society is going, it's going to lead to destruction, to spiritual destruction. I need you to know that, says Jesus. But you have another option. Option number two, it's a much smaller road with a much smaller gate because n- not a lot of people are traveling this road. Most people are considered to be weird if they're on this road and not on the super highway. But I got you. I need you to know if you live weird, if you live different than the world, that way, says Jesus, my way, that leads to spiritual life. 
So, concludes Jesus, enter through the narrow gate, travel the narrow road, live not normal like the world, live weird. And that's what I want to challenge you to do for four to five weeks. I want to try and convince you that what this book says is weird as it may be, weird is better. God's weird is better than the world's normal. That's what I want to talk to you about. Now, to lay the foundation, I want to talk, if you have your study guide, there's three things I want to talk to you about today about getting us going. And then I'm going to talk about different things. Here's the first thing, if you want to jot it down. Weird people, they live differently. Weird people live differently. The Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 1, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires. In other words, don't be normal. Do not conform to the evil desires. But just as he, God, who called you is holy, so you Be holy. Notice in all you do, what percentage is all? That's a hundred percent, not 90%, not 50, a hundred percent. I want you to be holy for it is written. Be holy because I says God am holy. Now I got to tell you as a pastor, that word is uncomfortable to me. It's intimidating even to me. I don't know if I can live up to that. Holy. When I, the word holy is used, I think monk, I think priest, I think Mother Teresa, I think Billy Graham. I don't think me, I'm not sure I think you either. I don't think holy. So I feel like, I feel like I'm given this standard to live that I can't live up to. I'm bound to fail until you dig in to the Greek word holy and discover what it means in its original language. The Greek word holy is hagios. It means letter, literally to set apart. It literally means to be different. It literally means be weird. It means strive towards holiness. I, well, I could do that. I could strive towards holiness. I can be different. I'm okay if the world calls me weird. If I'm living differently, I can live that way. I can live up to that. And so can you. Weird people, they live differently. They do different things. Now, why? What's the benefit? By the way, in terms of, um, in terms of purity, isn't it true that we live in a society, we, we're really into purity when it comes to our food. Would you agree? If you've ever been to a third world country and then been back to the States, we are, we are like crazy about being, you know, washing your hands if you're cooking. And we're really careful about what we put in our mouths and consume. In fact, there's a branch of the federal government called the FDA, and they focus on establishing standards for what is allowed to be consumed. I want to give you some of their standards and it may surprise you. You guys ready? Here it goes. Did you know that apple butter, apple, apple butter, it, it won't be sold if it has five or more whole insects per hundred grams. But if there's four, they put it at, 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 at the supermarket and yum, yum, yum. <laughs> I kid you not. Listen to this. Mushrooms can't be sold if there's an average of 20 maggots or more per 15 grams of dried mushrooms. Anything less, and I just want to rush out and get a pepperoni and mushroom pizza. I mean, it just sounds delicious. If there are more than 13 insect heads and 100 grams of fig paste, could you believe the FDA FDA ruthlessly throws it out? As for hot dogs, I don't even want to tell you what's in hot dogs. I know we served them at the Easter egg hunt, but there was a reason I didn't eat them. I'm just saying. 
Would you agree purity is hard to come about? Not only in the food that we eat, but in our souls. And yet God says to us, be different. Be set apart. Strive towards purity and holiness. Be weird. I know that sounds weird. Be weird. Now, what do you and I get out? Why? Well, there's at least two reasons why we are challenged to be different and to be weird and to be holy. There's two reasons. Let me show you real quick. Number one is because I will personally and repeatedly benefit. That's what the Bible says over and over again. If you live weird, if you live different, if you live for God, if you strive towards holiness, your, your family is going to be better. Your marriage are going to be better. Your parenting is going to be better. Your finances is going to be better. Your, your, your spirit is going to be better. Your mind is going to be better. Physically, you might even be better. And for sure, eternity is better. So just to be clear, you get a lot out of the deal. You get a lot out of it. But it's not just about us. There's another potential benefit for striving to be weird and live differently and, and be pure and holy. The second one is because I will be more useful to God in his kingdom. The more different I am, the more set apart I am, the more pure and holy I am, the more he can use me, the more he uses the purpose given within me. Now, I want to show you how Timothy states this. Let me show you in the book of second Timothy. Here's what he says. In a large house, think our houses. In a large house, there are many articles, many containers, many things you can hold stuff in, many articles. Some of them are gold and silver. They're also wood and clay. Some of them are used for noble purposes, fancy stuff. And some of them for ignoble purposes, like a shovel and dirt, not so fancy and kind of dirty. Different containers, different things. Now he uses that and compares it to us. If a man cleanses himself from the latter and you strive towards purity and holiness he will be an instrument for noble purposes you will be made holy useful to the master and prepared to do any good work so he's trying to say listen the more holy you are the more different you are the more god weird you are the more he can use you yes you benefit but the more he can use you now let me just explain this a little bit more let me help you understand a, a, a little bit I, I have a couple things here let's say you come to dinner you come to dinner and you say to me, uh, you know, we're having dinner and uh, I don't know, we're watching a Warriors game or something. And you say, Dave, I'm really thirsty. I'm fa- in fact, I'm famished thirsty. I, could you give me as much iced tea as you can possibly bring me? So I'm like, okay, well, I'll go back into the kitchen. You know, I'm trying to find, and I have this brilliant idea. I have a container that will fill the most possible iced tea as possible and so i I go back and i I come back in a little bit and and i say you know um grandma when she had uh when she had surgery um she was with us for a month and for the first two weeks she couldn't get out of bed and so we had uh you know i know it was a little awkward but uh we had to we had to help grandma out and so uh this is the biggest container i i could find we washed it real good and uh but here you go here you go some iced tea a bedpan question would you drink it no, you wouldn't drink it. In fact, you'd probably get up and leave, right? You're like, you know, <clears throat> actually, I don't want iced tea because you're thinking I'm going to go back in the kitchen and just dump it into something else, which is probably what I would do. I want Diet Coke instead. Can you get me some Diet Coke? So I go back in the kitchen. I'm like, we are certainly not inviting them over again, but they don't want this. And, you know, we wasted all the iced tea, put it in the bedpan. So, so I get some Diet Coke and now I put it into a new container and I dump it in. I dump it into this. 
Do you recognize what this may be? It's my dog Chavi's water dish. So I just dumped the water out. I put some Diet Coke in there and there you get, there you go. Question, would you drink it? A, a, a couple of you nasty folk over there might, but <laughs> so, we probably wouldn't drink it, right? What you want, if I'm going to be a hospitable host, right? Goodness gracious, you know, give me something, give me something nice. Someone said, oh, no, we just got them at Costco. It's no big deal. Just uh, it's not that fancy. Now, here's what Timothy is trying to say. Watch. You want to be used by God? How he can use you is based upon your purity. How he can use you is based upon your cleanliness. And you love God and he loves you. But you need to understand because you have not cleansed yourself, because you're kind of just living normal instead of living weird, living different, living pure, striving towards holiness, you don't realize it. But the reason he's not making a difference in your life is because of the sin in your life. You're more like this. That's why you're not being effective. That's why it's so important to live in holiness and become a little bit more like this. And then you're used for the kingdom. Then you make a difference. See, weird people, they live differently. They strive towards holiness. Weird people, they also think differently. Weird people, they they think differently. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, we read the proverb, the writer of Proverbs says, for, for as he thinks within himself, so is he. See, he, here's how it works. What you think impacts how you feel. What you feel impacts what you do. And what you do determines who you are as a person. Let me say that one more time. What you think determines how you feel. What you feel determines what you do. And what you do determines who you are as a person. But it all starts between your ears. That's why what you think matters so very much. It matters so much. Now, I'm going to give you, you want to think differently? There's three things you got to do in your mind. Three things you got to focus on. Let me show you real quick. Resist negative thinking, reject the enemy's lies, and renew your mind. Now, if you're taking notes, I'm going to start with number three, which I think is letter C for you guys. Let's talk about renew your mind. Let me show you one verse in Romans chapter 12 that is very well known. The apostle Paul says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. You know what he's saying there? Don't be normal. Don't be normal. Live weird. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the, by the renewing of your mind. Same verse. Different translation from the message. Look what this says. Don't become so well adjusted to culture that you fit in without even thinking about it. Have you ever done that? You wake up and you say, how did I get here? And then you realize maybe it's because of what I thought. What I thought about money and what I thought about sex and what I thought about career and what I thought about people. What we think affects how we feel, affects what we do. And he says, don't just accept what normal is in the world without even thinking about it. You need to renew your mind. How do you do that? He explains it. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. So the solution, how do you renew your mind? You fix your attention on God. It's not fancy. It all comes down to this book. That's what it comes down to. So to renew your mind means to read this book. To renew your mind means to study this book. 
It means to come to church and hear a sermon about the book. It means to be part of a small group Bible study and talk to other, you know, 10 other people about the book. It means to, to meditate on it, to think about it. It means to memorize it. Now, it takes a little bit of effort, but it's not rocket science. It is not rocket science. It's very simple. You want to renew your mind? It all comes down to what are you doing with this sucker right here? You got to renew your mind. Okay. Number two, you got to reject the enemy's lies. You got to reject the lies. John chapter four. When Satan lies, he speaks his native language for he, for he is a liar and the father of lies. His native language, he says. Now, here's what's interesting. Some of you, your native language is Spanish. Your native language is Spanish. By the way, Feliz Pascua, uh, if your native language is Spanish. For all of you who are white, that means happy Easter. I'm just trying to keep you involved, okay? Some of you, your native language is Chinese. I met a whole family a couple weeks ago. Their native language is Chinese. I met one dude last week. His native language was French. There's a whole bunch of you. Your native language is Filipino. I hear you over in the donut area. I mean, it gets scared to be scared. I am sorry. But it's true. It's weird to me, you know. Some lady first service said, I'm not bringing you any more lumpia because you said that. Please grow up. Let's get back to God's word here. Um, Satan's native language. Satan's native language is lying. See, I don't have to think about when I speak my native language. Neither do you. He doesn't either. It just comes natural because he knows if I can control your mind, I control your feelings. I control your actions. I've got you. His whole strategy is to lie to you. Let me give you a couple lies. You want to hear a lie about yourself that he loves for us to believe? You are the way you are. You cannot change. That's a lie. It's a lie. It's not true. You can change. Let me tell you a a, a lie he tells us about God. The more you do for God, the more he'll love you. That's a lie. That doesn't mean you don't try and, and obey him, but he already loves you more than you can imagine. His love for you doesn't change based upon what you do or don't do. Let me tell you a, a lie about life that he loves for us to believe. If you can just get a little bit more money, then you'll be happy. Lie. If you just get married, you see, you're single and that's a problem. If you can just get married, then you'll be happy. Lie. If you just have a kid, if you guys have a kid, then you'll be happy. Lie. Trust me. Ask any parent what they're thinking is when they move out, then I'll be happy. Right? Let me tell you a lie that he loves to tell us about church. Here's what he tells us about church. All they care about is your money. Oh, if you believe that, he's got you. Now, mind you, every church isn't perfect, including this sucker right here. But if he gets you to divide what you think about church and not show up because, oh, you know how they can be, he's got you. Let me tell you another, uh, another lie about your faith as it intersects with church. I can be a committed follower of Jesus Christ and not be in church on a regular basis. Lie. There is not one example of one person in this entire book that is fully committed to God and Jesus Christ without being involved in a local church. You see, he wants you to get these, because the minute he has you thinking a lie, you start behaving and feeling differently. That's his entire strategy. So reject his lies. 
Paul says in Corinthians chapter 10, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That phrase take captive is literally a law enforcement term. It literally means what a police officer does when they arrest someone. They put them in handcuffs, they throw them in jail. And what Paul says is you got to you and I got to do the same thing in our minds. When thoughts start floating around in your mind, you literally have to take it captive. You have to put it in handcuffs. You have to investigate, try and figure out, does it match up with what this book says? If it doesn't, you take that thought, you throw it in jail, and you don't let it influence you anymore. Take it captive. Reject the enemy's lies. And then the first one, you got to resist negative thinking. You've got to resist negative thinking. Ephesians chapter 4, with regard to your former way of life. Put off your old self. Don't be normal. Be weird. How do you do that? Be made new in the attitudes of your mind. You have to resist negative thinking. I'm not suggesting you be the happy-go-lucky kind of person that pretends that there's never any problems. That's not what he's saying. He's saying generally you have to have a positive disposition about life. Right? You have to have a positive disposition. His name was Dante Altuyo, a guy from Chicago. He's working in his garage He's building some shelves or something. He's, he's got his hammer, his nail gun out, and he's hammering, he's hammering away. And all of a sudden, something slips, and he shoots, and it, one glazes his head. Get blood all over the place. A buddy comes over. He dabs it up, cleans it up, dresses the wound. He keeps building the shelves. He mows the lawn. He has dinner. He goes to bed. The following morning, he has a tremendous amount of nausea. So he's like, something's not right. So he goes to the hospital, and they do blood work, and they do tests. And they do urine samples and they do all this stuff. Finally, they took an x-ray and I kid you not, this is the exact x-ray they took of his head. Put it up there. He didn't glaze his head. This guy shot a nail. I know it's not fun. For me, it's a little fun. He's alive. He shot a nail into his brain. By the way, I thought this was interesting. This happened like, like 16 months ago. Do you know, apparently, I was like, how can a guy survive like this? Listen to this. Apparently, our skull, right, on the outside, the skin and the hard part, has pain-sensitive nerves, but our brain does not. That's why he didn't feel it. So he lived like that for like 12 hours. They took it out, and now he's doing fine. But here's my point before I move on. My point is this. What a nail is to your brain, negative thinking And Satan's lies is to your mind. And if you don't do something about it, you will experience spiritual nausea. So you got to get rid of it. You see, weird people, they live differently. Weird people, they think differently. But they're able to live and think differently because of the last point I want to bring up. They're saved differently. They're saved differently. There's two paths to salvation. Two things that people try and do. One is called religion. People throw that word all around. I'm I'm really religious. Religion is man's normal attempt to try and connect to God, impress God, and get saved. So, So here's how it works. If you believe the right things, if you behave the right way, if you belong to the right church, maybe God will let you be saved and you can spend eternity with him in heaven. It's religion. It's all what you do. What you do determines if you're saved or not small problem with that in the book of isaiah god speaks to those of us who are embracing onto religion embracing onto what we do to impress god and here's what god says to us in the book of isaiah these people 
They come near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You see, you guys are focusing all on the external and God says, I'm not looking at that. I'm looking at what's on the inside. Their worship of me is based merely on human rules that have been taught. Now, let's just be honest. Some of us are here today because we have believed a religious rule taught to us by our parents, taught to us by culture, taught to maybe even ourselves that, you know, I don't normally go to church, but if I'm ever going to go, I might as well go on Easter. Now, don't get me wrong. I am incredibly glad that you're here. But let's just be clear that in and of itself doesn't impress God. That in and of itself doesn't even get you close to salvation. Paul, in the book of Ephesians, in the book of Philippians, he breaks down religion. When you and I try and impress God by what we do, what we say, where we go, how we feel, all that stuff, right? He tries to break it down for us. And here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised or say the right things or do the right things or feel the right thing. You got to do it all right and then you'll be saved. They believe in religion. By the way, he calls them dogs. In our culture, dogs are fun. They're fluffy. They're our pets. We love dogs, right? In fact, I saw two dudes, two friends bump into each other a couple weeks ago back in church and one said to the other, what's up, dog? Except they added like an H in there somewhere. Dog. I can't even say it. What's up, dog? You know, something like that. We like dogs. To call someone a dog, hey, what's up, dog? Not, not a big deal. You don't call someone a dog in that culture. You see, in that culture, they're not pets. They're not fluffy. They're not nice. They are wild, ravenous animals that come out at night and run around the alleys of the city were known to travel in packs and kill people. And Paul says, you know, all those people telling you to do religious things and then you'll impress God dogs. People who put confidence in human effort, but we don't, we do not put confidence in human effort. Don't be someone who thinks that God's going to save them because you're religious. And he goes on even more. And he says this, He says, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have more. He says, okay, you want, you want, you want to go at this? You want to give me your resume? I'll give you my resume. You think you're religious? What about me? And he gives this whole list. I didn't put it up there. This whole long list of how great he is. Paul says, I'm a pure blooded, pure blooded citizen of Israel. As for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. And he goes on and on and on. You think you're religious? Look what I've done. And then he says this. I once, I thought these things were valuable. I thought they gained me salvation. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. For Christ's sake, I have discarded everything else, continuing, accounting it all as garbage. Now, if you have a study Bible, real quickly, if you take the little notation next to the word garbage in your Bible and you go to the bottom, you'll very quickly realize that the English translators were scared when they they translated this Greek word because it does not mean garbage. The Greek word right there that I've highlighted, skupula, does not mean garbage. It literally means human waste. It means dung. It means poop. But it's even more crass. It's what my racquetball buddies say after they miss a shot. That's what he's saying right there. You know what he's saying? 
religion, doing all the right things, saying all the right things, going to all the right places, hanging out with the right crowd. It's all a bunch of crap. It's a bunch of crap. It will not gain you salvation. You see, strategy number one is religion. But there's another strategy. Let me show you this verse. You've got religion, man's normal attempt to connect to God. But there's an option. Option number two is Christ. God's weird way to connect to man. And why I say weird, why do you think you deserve a chance to connect with him? Why? The angels never got a second chance. Why do we deserve a second chance? It's incredibly weird to think that the creator of the universe would willingly give up his son for you and for me. That's weird. That's weird. I want to wrap it up with this. Um, Band's going to start to come up here pretty soon. But Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to just wrap it up with these verses. Make sure you understand them. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, this is option number two. If religion doesn't work, if Christ is the only way, what do we do? Let me highlight just a couple key words. Make sure you get it. Okay. A couple things that I want to make sure you understand. The first word, grace. Grace means it's undeserved. You cannot do anything to get it. I'm glad you're here today. God's glad you're here today. But today doesn't gain you access to heaven. Even if you come Sunday after Sunday, that doesn't work. The only way you get salvation is through this thing called grace. Let me explain it this way. You leave here today, you get hit by a bus. By this afternoon, you're standing at the gates of heaven. Peter's there, he's got a clipboard. He asks your name and he says, you know what? One small problem. When you went to church all those years, the the pastor, he didn't explain it quite right. See, what you got to do for you to be allowed to become into heaven, you need a thousand points. You're like, what? You need a thousand points. See, everything you did on heaven, on earth, we gave you points for. If you did good stuff, we gave you points. If you did really good stuff, we gave you extra points. So now what you need to do is you need to tell me all the good things you did. We're going to count up the points. You see if you see if you get a thousand points. So you're like, they really screwed me over. I didn't know about this, but here we go. Okay. So you're like, well, I, I did go to church. I mean, it wasn't every Sunday, but pretty much I went to church, you know, and uh, I, I, you know, I helped with the children's department quite a bit. I did the Sunday school class stuff and I always threw something in the offering, you know, and after a few years I started tithing, I really started giving, you know, so, so what does that get me? And, you know, he's got the clipboard. He goes, he's looking, he goes, well, that gets you five points. You're like five points. That's all that you got five points. What else did you do? You're like, well, uh, I never cheated on my wife. I never cheated on my taxes. I need, never cheated my boss out of a, a good day worth of work. You know, I, I was nice to as many people as I could. I, I remember I, I always would mow the lawn of the, the elderly lady across the street. She was a widow. She couldn't do it by herself. I would do all that. What do I get for that? He adds, he goes, that, you get another five points. You're up to 10. You need, uh, you need a lot more. You're like, okay, well, let me, well, I never cussed. I never drank. I never did drugs. I never committed a crime. What does that get me? He counts it up. He goes, that's another five points. You got a long way to go. What else good did you do? You said, well, I was a good dad. I was a really good dad. You know, I, uh, I, uh, I coached my son's little league team. And I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't that good, but I, I did it for him. 
every night I would help him with homework. You know, he was into football. So I, once a year, I'd take him to a Niner game. And how much does that get me? And he's like, well, for coaching and for homework, you get five points. But for the Niner game, you're going to get minus three. You know, because God is it. So he calculates. So this is, <laughs> this is going on. And you're like, now you're getting worried. Now it's not funny anymore. Now you're starting to perspire because you realize you're at 18. You got to get to a thousand. You're trying to think of something else. And under your breath, you say this. At this rate, it's going to take the grace of God to get in. And the angel's like, what, what, did, what did you say? I didn't say anything. What do you mean? What, what, you, said, you just said something. What, what did you say? Well, I said, at this rate, it's going to take the grace of God to get in. And the angel says, 5,000 points. You're in. You see, I don't care how nice you are. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how wonderful of a person you are. You live a perfect life. You're going to get up into the 20s or 30s. You need 1,000 points. The only way you get it is by grace. It's not deserved. It's not because of what you did. It's all because of what Jesus did. And that's why he says, you get it by grace. Your job is all you got to do is have faith. Now we throw that word around. Baseball season starts today, so I, I'm a Cubbies fan. So I, I have faith that this is our year. But see, when I say that, you chuckle at me. Because the word faith has become something like imagination, fairy tale, something, right? That's not what it was meant in the Bible. He says, I want you to, I want you to have faith, which means you need to start following got to make an effort. I want you to trust him. You trust the chair you're sitting in right now because you sat in it. You're leaning on it. I want you to believe in Jesus. I want you to believe, you know, all that weird stuff. I want you to believe that it's true. All you've got to do is have faith. It's all you got to do. It comes through grace. It's by grace. It's through faith. And then at the end, he says, you know, we were, we're God's handiwork. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that what you do doesn't matter. I'm saying it doesn't get you salvation. You see what I wrote there? My actions do not earn salvation, but they do prove my salvation. You know, sometimes as a pastor, I'll hear someone say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But in the back of my mind, I wonder and I doubt sometimes. You know why? I just watch. I just watch how they live their lives and what they do. It's not for me to judge, not for me to decide. I don't know. Only you and God knows. But you see, what you do does prove one way or another who you really are. I want to challenge you to live weird. Be weird because weird is better. God's weird is always better than the world's normal. I want to challenge you. Live weird. Live differently. Now, for you to live differently, you've got to think differently. But to think differently, you absolutely need to be saved differently. Religion doesn't work. Only Jesus works. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this Easter Sunday and how you've spoken to us and how you've taught us. 
Heavenly Father, we want to be God-weird today. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you're here today and maybe you acknowledge, I'm not living differently, I'm not thinking differently, and I need to start doing that. I want you to just take a moment right now, just you and God. Dear God, give me the strength to live differently and give me the discipline to pick up my Bible and read it so I think differently. Just take a moment, you and God, and tell them that. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, a little 13-year-old boy accepts Christ at youth group one Sunday, one Wednesday, and his friends say, why? Did you see a vision of God? Nope. Did God come down and speak to you? Nope. Then why did you accept him? And the 13-year-old says, it's like when you go catch a fish. You can't see the fish and you can't hear the fish, but you do feel the fish tugging on your line. If you're here today and you feel God's tugging on your heart, you realize that you're not living or thinking differently because you've been leaning on religion instead of on Jesus Christ. If by grace and through faith you have not accepted the gift of salvation, you want to do it today, I want to encourage you to pray a simple prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I got it. I want to be weird. I want to be God weird. I want to live differently and think differently because weird, the God way works. And I know, I, I get it. To do that, I just need to say yes to Jesus. So as best as I know how, that's what I'm doing today. I have faith in Jesus. I want to follow him as best as I know how. I want to learn about him. I believe in Jesus. I believe he lived a perfect life and died a perfect death so that I could have forgiveness of sins. So I trust you for that, God. I trust you. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, 12 people in the first service, if you accepted Christ as your Savior right now, could you just, for, for my sake, to encourage me, raise your hand up so I can see it. Raise your hand up so God can see it. Raise it up real quick right now. I see those hands. Raise it up real quick so we can see them. Raise those hands up. Put it up high. Hold it for two seconds. Hold it. Heavenly Father, for the 10 or 12 people first service, the 10 or 12 people this service that said yes to Jesus, they want to say they want to live weird, Father. We thank you for them. Many of us have made that decision before, but now we're reminded it's not just about a decision. It's about a lifestyle. It's about our thought life. Father, help us be weird. Father, we're so incredibly grateful that you decided to do what was most unusual, most different, most weird, you gave up what was most precious to you so that we could have a relationship with you. Father, we celebrate that today. We celebrate the choice you made to give us a second chance and to give us the opportunity through Jesus Christ to be different. We love you and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Thank him for being who he is. It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the Internet at www.bayhills.net. 
Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, is radically committed to reaching the unchurched in the Bay Area and to developing believers into fully devoted followers of Christ. Thanks again for listening.